Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. It is time for us, us being The Approach Shot. I am John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing I'm in the studio out in Louisville, Kentucky. He's in the studio in San Diego, or as we like to call it, San Diego, which is the same thing. I was going to say San Diego, but you have to be here to get the joke and it just doesn't translate. I had an interesting conversation with somebody that I'm a guest that that I'm trying to book for us a couple of weeks from now. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, you know, I'd really like to get our guy on your show, but we need to stay away from the controversial stuff. And <laughs> okay. I said to him, have you heard the show? <laughs> <laughs> We don't do no conversational, controversial, kind of any of that kind of stuff here. We do funny. We do jokes. We do stories. We tell stuff. We we get people to admit that they hit a golf ball backwards off the first tee. (laughs) We have people tell us Aquaman stories where their cart goes splash in the water. That's what we're looking for here. We don't do no controversial. So once I told him that, in a much more professional way. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> we we may have a, uh, a a current Major League Baseball player coming up. Well, but I just one involved I like... in some controversy, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, I, I refuse to say. <laughs> we don't talk about that. I thought we just went over that. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just trying to narrow down the field. <laughs> He's thinking... Hmm, who could it be? <laughs> well, and and it's interesting because this week is, you know, we're we're right smack in the middle of the last couple of weeks of Major League Baseball season, r- the very beginning of the NFL season. And what happens this weekend? Aaron Rodgers after four plays goes down with a yep. torn Achilles and he's out for the year and every New York Jets fan on the planet is screaming their head off. They're, they've lost their mind. And I remember saying to one of them, but you won the game. You beat Buffalo, who's one mm-hmm. of the best teams. Why are you losing your mind? I don't think they know why. <laughs> they don't. It's because for how long is the preseason and, and, and training camp been going on? Six, 10 weeks, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. For, let's say for the last 10 weeks, they have been sitting atop the world. Yes. I mean, New Yorkers love their teams. Yeah. And, you know, the Giants haven't won a game since, what, 1986 or something. I don't know. Now, I know they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but they got yeah, lucky. Yeah, um, they, yeah they, they've actually had a guy named Eli Manning. They won a couple of Super Bowls. But, yeah, yeah, yeah but, but you're on a yeah, roll. Go ahead. Yeah. But anyhow, <laughs> they're gone now. So they have to find someone to root for. And he was their savior. He was going to be their savior. That's right. He was going to come in and the Jets were going to go undefeated on to the Super Bowl. And now their hopes have been dashed. But they haven't. That's the point. They haven't. They beat the Bills in overtime with the defense and a running game and special teams. And that's the Bills. So when you go play a team that's not nearly as good, you're probably going to do really well. But I think you hit it exactly right, John. I think it's that in New York this week. You mm-hmm. have the Giants losing to the Cowboys 40 to nothing. Nothing. You have the Jets losing Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the unofficial week that you bury the Yankees. They're not going to make the playoffs. Overall in New York, 
life sucks. Mm-hmm. Mets are gone. Yep. So you have neither baseball team making it. The Jets losing Rodgers and the Giants losing 40 to nothing on opening week. Yeah, it's tough to be a New Yorker this week. Yeah. And the Rangers, uh, I mean, they don't even, Rangers and the Knicks, they'll both start playing soon for, <laughs> you know, whatever reason. Right. Let, let, let's get, yeah, right. In New York, they generally don't say, let's forget about football and get right to the basketball season. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> exactly. Well, interestingly enough, with all of that going on, a lot of the good teams that are really looking like they might be something in the Major League Baseball playoffs are mm-hmm. from the Midwest. Which, yeah, you know, generally you get something, you get one of the teams from the East Coast, you get the Dodgers or or one of the teams from the West Coast. And while the Dodgers are doing great, there are a lot of teams from the Midwest. The Brewers, the Reds, the Twins, all probably are going to make the playoffs, are going to come close. And the networks and the, and the coasters don't love that because the ratings aren't nearly as high no. when the World Series has you know, got the Brewers involved. <laughs> but there's a decent chance. So um, having said that, Today's guest is from the Midwest, mm-hmm. played his entire career in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and was damn good. And I yes, say indeed. that as, as a Twins fan who had to live with him, kicking <laughs> my team's butt regularly. Yes, he holds a bunch of records. He's a baseball player, and he's coming up next. Yes. Right here on the approach shot. Hang out. We hear that a lot at chickendinnercasino.com because we have so many winners. That's because we have so many ways to win, including slots, blackjack, poker, and more. Of course, you can step into our sports book and bet on any sport, including college football, the NFL, and Major League Baseball, with some of the best bonuses around. But don't take my word for it. Hey, this is Ricky Williams, former Heisman Trophy winner and all-pro NFL running back. Hey, this is Ryan Sandberg, Chicago Cubs Baseball Hall of Famer, number 23 retired. Hey, guys, it's Brad Sham. I am the radio voice of the Dallas Cowboys. Be a winner by playing chickendinnercasino.com. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You can be a winner by playing today at chickendinnercasino.com. And our listeners get special offers. Just go to chickendinnercasino.com slash sports. That's chickendinnercasino.com slash sports, and you could be a winner winner today. All right, we threatened that we would be back, and we always carry through on our threats. We are back. The approach shot. I am John Ashton. I am Neil Michaels. Less threatening than you, apparently. I sort of invite <laughs> people back, but you know oh. what? Whatever gets them back. Either and way, I- we're here. And our guest today is a gentleman who, if you have been a fan of Major League Baseball for the last 20 or 30 years, you'll know his name immediately. He played for 13 years in the majors, a three-time All-Star, the 1993 Rolades Relief Man of the Year, so many other things that we're going to talk to him about. But Mr. Jeff Montgomery is joining us today. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate the chance to share some baseball and golf, two of my favorite things in life. Which order? Depends <laughs> <laughs> on the day. Did you find when you started playing golf, and we'll get to golf a little bit more here in a little bit, but did you find when you started playing golf that the expectation of being an athlete was going to translate into your golf game, or did you already play golf when you started playing baseball? Well, I started playing golf at a young age. Uh, not seriously, more for fun. My mom and dad were both golfers. My mom was 
an outstanding golfer. She was a 19-time club champion, so she could play with about any um, men that she ever played with. I mean, surprisingly well and could hit the ball a long way. She, and she didn't start golfing until she was like in her late 20s. Uh, she grew up on a farm in Ohio and really never probably touched a golf club till later in life, but she picked it up quickly. And I think it kind of wore off on me a little bit, uh, having a chance to play at any opportunity I had, you know, with my friends, uh, my family, especially my mom and my dad. When you were a kid, did they did they drop you off at the baseball field and let you hang out there all day or at the golf course and let you hang out there all day? Well, I could ride my bike to the baseball field, so I did that much more frequently. They would have to drop us off at our club because it was so uh, too far to ride a bike, especially for a you know a, a young kid. But uh, right. there was a pool there, and uh, if we were going to spend a day at the club, then it was uh, mom and dad drop off on the way to work, and then they would pick us up afterwards. So we'd do a lot of swimming, a lot of golfing, and who knows what else in between. apparently those are things we're not going to talk about today (laughs) yes when your mom is that good a golfer how much pressure is there on you when you start playing or do you just pick it up for fun you know no pressure at all she was very supportive and uh she didn't have what i'll call like the the uh prettiest of swings she was a very uh she's a strong woman she grew up on a farm and she was just a, a, a natural athlete in fact uh, she was my catcher at times when my father was not around to play catch. And, uh, you know, she was uh, she was out in the front yard with me, uh, tossing a baseball, catching me, whatever, whatever it meant. But she was just a good athlete, but really no pressure at all to try to perform at any particular level. I wish I could have uh, performed at her level with regards to club championships and such. But golf was really kind of fun. Uh, I know my dad coached me amateur baseball wise and golf was something that he uh, oftentimes would persuade me not to do, especially on game days, uh, golf and swimming uh, on you know game days before a, a night game in baseball. Uh, a lot of times uh, kind of wore you down and kind of got you maybe a little bit less focused on the baseball than my dad would have liked, but uh, just had a lot of fun doing both. I was reading, Jeff, you had a four-pitch repertoire. I, I have a, a good friend whose son wanted to be a pitcher and he took lessons and all kinds of stuff, but Is it a natural thing or do you have to have a great coach in order to be able to learn how to throw different kinds of pitches? Well, I think a coach is valuable. Uh, I think a coach is really more valuable when you're struggling or you're having issues with maybe mechanics or maybe a particular pitch. I was really kind of self-taught. Now, my dad was uh, very instrumental in helping uh, protect my arm and, and, and do the things that uh, you would expect from a father who recognized a, a son who had some talent. Uh, I mean, from the time I was eight or nine years old, I could throw a baseball uh, longer, harder, and further than most of my you know my friends and the kids I grew up with. Uh, as a result, my dad understood that there was something maybe a little unique there. He was protective of me, but uh, I always had what I'll call sound mechanics. I really never had any coaching, never had any you know any teachers. Uh, I just did it. And I think it was just, I was fortunate that I didn't have to have uh, someone teach me mechanics. And I know there's a lot of emphasis today on uh, youth baseball and uh, the premier baseball, the travel baseball, uh, the academy baseball, all the things that a lot of kids do now. And I think a lot of times, you know, maybe parents push them that way because they feel like that's the best way for the kid to uh, learn, advance and have opportunities uh, maybe in after high school and the college level and potentially even uh, at the professional level of baseball. But t- 
to me, I never had any of that. I played, uh, I only played 15 games a summer with a uniform on and with umpires, but I probably played 60 games a week uh, in the yeah. sandlot. And, and and we're probably picked first in the pickup games, right. too, weren't you? With my friends and, you know, and it just uh, whether it be a wiffle ball or a hard ball, whatever it was, uh, mm-hmm. there was always some kind of baseball involved, uh, especially during the summer months uh, when we were out of school. So I, I think it was just fortunate. I was fortunate that I had some uh, God-given tools and abilities, and uh, I enjoy doing it. And I think anytime you have some natural abilities and you're good at something, you're more likely to do it more frequently and more often because you're good at it and you enjoy it. That's and good. it's nice to have some successes. Let's do a history lesson on on Jeff for those people who are like, Jeff Montgomery, Jeff Montgomery, I know that name. Jeff was drafted by Cincinnati after playing at Marshall, was drafted in the ninth round in 1983 and was a starter for the Cincinnati Reds, got traded to Kansas City. John was joking earlier about the gent that you got traded for, who was Vin Snyder, and he played exactly how many games? 16? 16, yeah. 16 in in the majors. Jeff played a little more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Kansas City decided, you know what? This guy looks like he should be in the bullpen. So they moved you into the bullpen in 88, and you rewarded them by going 7-2 and with a 345 ERA. And I'm going to get a little bit into the numbers here because I'm a numbers guy. In 1989... Jeff was a setup man and was not officially the closer yet and had 18 saves anyway with a 137 ERA. Now, for those of you who are not completely cool with what ERA stands for, ERA means how many runs you would give up in a nine-inning game. So Jeff would give up 1.37 runs per game. That's ridiculous. (laughs) It's insane. But that wasn't even your best year. In 1990, you had another breakout year. And in 93, you saved 45 games. But in 1990, on April 29th, 1990, Jeff Montgomery struck out three batters on nine pitches to become only the 23rd pitcher in history with an immaculate inning. Did you know at the time what you were doing, that there, there was a shot at that? Or were people not talking about things like immaculate innings back then? I, I think I probably was aware of it, but I didn't understand uh, how unique it was. In fact, the last batter I faced, I believe, was Pete Incavilia. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I even threw one strike to him, and he swung at all three pitches. Uh, <laughs> he came out of the uh, off the field you know, after the inning, and someone said, hey, you just tied a major league record. I said, yeah, me and like a thousand others, right? Uh, anyway, I was interviewed um, a week or so later by Sports Illustrated, and they informed me that I was like, I think the, the fifth or sixth in the American League to ever do it. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just interesting because I wasn't really trying. I was uh, the type pitcher who I trusted my stuff. I tried to throw strikes and I would like to pitch to contact. Okay? Better than an immaculate inning would have been a three pitch inning. Right. And <laughs> get three outs on three pitches. So I always challenged hitters. Uh, I, I, I really did my best to induce contact but that day particularly i missed bats nine times and it just worked out you know a lot of people ask me about that immaculate inning and you know it, it is obviously something you're proud of but uh, again i was wasn't essentially trying to do it i was trying to hit bats instead of miss bats there you go well and and to be one of only 23 people to do it i mean you think about how many no hitters there have been you think about how many perfect games there have been. There have actually been fewer immaculate innings than perfect games. So that tells you something. Um, Monty, you're also, obviously, you had over 300 saves, 304 saves to be specific. There's only 31 closers in history that had over 
300 saves. Now they only started recording saves sometime in the 70s or 80s, but still you're um, just ahead of Bruce Suter and you're just behind Goose Gossage. Those names are kind of big in the relief pitcher world. <laughs> well, it was uh, certainly became, I guess, a goal at one point in my career. I had a good fortune of pitching uh, part of one season in Kansas City uh, with the greatest relief pitcher in Kansas City Royals history, Dan Quisenberry. Mm-hmm. And uh, Quiz was uh, just a short-time teammate. I actually got to know Quiz a lot better uh, after baseball and uh, opportunities to play golf with Quiz. We were members at the same club in Kansas City, and I got to know Dan Quisenberry a lot better uh, as a friend as, as opposed to a teammate. But um, at one point, I passed uh, Dan Quisenberry for the Royals team saves record. I think it was like 230 or 40 saves. I can't remember what it was. But then the next milestone was uh, the 300, and mm-hmm. there's a nice uh, award there they give you. Uh, it's a it's a Rolaids fireman's hat with a, a, a three zero zero to the 300 etched in it, and it's really cool. And that became a goal of mine. And fortunately, I was able to get up my last season. Unfortunately, I had to limp into that. I had a hip injury uh, my last season, what really hampered my ability to uh, to pitch at the level I needed to pitch at, which is obviously why I retired. You know, that 300 was a, it was a big number for me. It was something that uh, uh, I can't say when I started my career, uh, 300 saves was a goal. In fact, you mentioned earlier, I was uh, more of a starting pitcher all through my amateur career, uh, drafted by the Reds. They immediately put me in the bullpen in minor leagues. Uh, I was able to progress through the minor leagues, became a starting pitcher my last season in minor leagues, which is when I was promoted to the to the uh, big leagues by the Cincinnati Reds in 87. And I pitched in 700 career games and only one start. So it tells you how my starting career went. <laughs> <laughs> what I find interesting, too, being a baseball fanatic, you were a three-time All-Star, which is very cool, very impressive. And what was impressive about it was it wasn't three consecutive years. It was spread over your career. But interestingly enough, the way baseball works is that every team has to have one representative that goes to the all-star game. And a lot of times, if a team doesn't have a particularly strong team, I'm a Minnesota Twins fan. I've hated you for a long time. <laughs> um, and for example, the Twins this year had one starting pitcher and one reliever, and that was those were the only two all-stars. But in your case, holy crap, the people you played with. I mean, you had teammates that were, I mean, you played with George Brett, you played with Mark Gubazov, Bob Boone, Bill Buckner, uh, and this guy named Jackson, Bo, Bo something, Bo knows something. <laughs> I mean, so it wasn't as if you went to the all-star game because they had to find somebody on the Royals to put out there. You played with some studs. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great era for Kansas City Royals baseball up until the strike of 94, 95. And that's really when things changed for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, and the first half of my career, maybe the first six or seven years of my career in Kansas City, we had some really solid teams. Now, remember back then, there were only two teams on each league that went to the postseason. Right. You had to win American League East or American League West. Otherwise, you're sitting home watching in October. And unfortunately, I never had a chance to go to postseason. We had some really good teams that you know, you'd win 95 games and not even make the postseason. Um, and things change a lot. Uh, our owner, whose name was uh, at the time was Ewing Kaufman, he passed away in 93. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, the formerly Royal Stadium, now Kaufman Stadium, named after our original owner. But uh, anyway, when he passed, there was a void of um, ownership in baseball for about eight or 10 years. And as a result, all the good players uh, were never re signed to the organization because no one knew 
how are they were going to get paid because there was not a uh, an owner. It was really essentially money he left behind. And when it was gone, it was gone. So the goal was to keep the payroll down. As a result, really good players left the organization when free agency would come around. So the second half of my career uh, was a lot different than the first half. But you're right, a lot of outstanding players. I mean, some of the teammates that I had the good fortune of playing with, you know, some tremendous memories there with those guys. Yeah, the Royals set the bar. And that was when the Royals were in the American League West. Correct. Yeah, in 1994, at the same time as, as what you were talking about, they also reshuffled things. And that's when the Royals moved into the American League Central. And I th- I, I remembered, of course, Brett and Gubazon, Frank White and Willie Wilson, some of, just some of the best pure baseball players. But I had forgotten that Buckner was there. I had forgotten that Boone was there and Danny Tartable, the bull. I mean, you it just it brought back all those memories of all these great players that played in that era. And yeah, you guys won the World Series in 1985. But if you had asked me, I would have said that you won two or three more in the 80s and 90s. And you're right, in 94, things changed. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And I, you know, when I have a chance to visit with some of my old teammates, David Cohn, for example, he's a television broadcaster now in New York. And when I talk with, with Coney, we we rehashed that 94 season because we were maybe the best team in the American League Central that year. Uh, we were on, on on a really good roll. We'd won 14 consecutive games uh, just before the strike hit in August of '94, uh, and we were postseason bound. It was going to be the first postseason appearance for the Royals since they won the World Series in '85. Yeah. Unfortunately, that didn't didn't occur. It drug on and on and on until 2014. So it's 29 year void for the Royals without postseason exposure, and then they went to they go to the World Series in 14 and 15 and. It's been a drought since then. So hopefully, uh, you know, baseball will shuffle some things around and figure some things out to, you know, give smaller market clubs a better chance to compete. Hey, we want to talk to you a little bit more about golf. I want to talk to you about your broadcast career and your ownership in uh, some of the, the broadcasting world. So let's uh, let's take a, a minute and uh, sort of breathe a little bit, grab a water. And uh, John, you want to take us out? Yes, we will be back with Jeff Montgomery and we'll talk about his golf game and other athletic pursuits when we come right back with your approach shot hang on if your company stayed open during COVID I have some great news for you government funds are available to reward companies who stayed open during the challenging time now this is not a loan and you do not have to pay it back your hard work to stay open could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at COVIDpayment.com You heard that correct, up to $26,000 per employee. This program is complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the tax experts at covidpayment.com. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work and share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans. If you have five or more employees, let covidpayment.com Help get you up to $26,000 per employee. Visit COVIDpayment.com. That's COVIDpayment.com. COVIDpayment.com. Uh, thanks for hanging because we are here and we're glad to see you are. So I always wondered when, when people on TV say, thanks for coming back. How do they know I was back? Just magically know. Thanks for sharing that one. Yeah, but anyhow, that's that's the broadcast biz, which uh, which Jeff Montgomery, our guest, is now a part of, and also the golfing world. And uh, you played golf as a kid. It seems that baseball players 
have an affinity for golf. I mean, you ever get to play golf with John Smoltz? Because he's real good. At least he claims to be. Well, he is good. I, I one of, Some of my fond memories from golf uh, actually occurred either during or just after baseball season during my career. And uh, there was an event at uh, Pebble Beach, and it was called Baseball's World Series of Golf. Ooh, okay. And it was uh, basically two-man teams. And, for example, I would take my neighbor and one of my teammates would take his neighbor. My, the teammate I was paired up with was a, a player named David Howard, a utility player, played most of his career in Kansas City, but also in a couple of other teams. But he's a really, really good golfer. In fact, George Brett says he's the greatest athlete he's ever played with, and he played with <laughs> Bo Jackson as well. So <laughs> it was a little bit about David Howard. Uh, not a big guy, about my size, but could hit a golf ball. We go to Pebble Beach, and uh, Howie and I, we have our our, you know, our friends and our partners with us. So you have a two-man game and a four-man game. You qualify for a shootout in, after the first day. It's a four-day event. And Howie and I qualified for the shootout. John Schmoltz, uh, Tom Glavin, guys like Roger Clemens. I mean, there were some outstanding baseball players and athletes and golfers there as well. And I didn't get in a shootout with uh, Schmoltz, but I did get in a shootout against Tom Glavin. So my partner mm-hmm. and I were uh, in the shootout at Pebble Beach and we end up making it down to the last hole. And it's just Glavin and his friend and uh, and, and me and my friend head to head. Well, Glavin's friend hits the, the tee shot in kind of a bad area in the rough. He's blocked out. He couldn't hit it, you know, to the, uh, to the green. And we're walking down the fairway. My, my partner hit it right down the middle. So I got my second shot in the par four and I remember Bud Black and Charlie Lee Brandt, who were former teammates of mine in Kansas City, or they had been eliminated from the shootout. And we're walking down the fairway and they're like, hey, don't even go for the green because or don't even go for the pin because the pins, you know, it's it, it, actually the pin was back left. So they said hit it front right because there's water behind the hole. Right. I'm just going to try to hit a little shot on the green. The opponents are going to be not necessarily penalized, but it's going to be hard for them to get the ball to the green. So I try to hit the shot, you know, front right of the green. I pull it left. And it hits up on the embankment over the green, and it spins back to about a foot away from the hole. And we went, and we we won on is is an accidentally really good looking shot of mine, but we won the event, and it was just so cool that uh, is one of my one of my favorite golf memories. To be honest, was that an alternate shot? Is all play shot exactly, man? You have you have either got to be really really good friends with whoever you're playing alternate shot with, or willing to never speak to them again. <laughs> my partner was a lot better golfer than i am that is pressure playing alternate shot <laughs> that's it is. exactly right hey after your career you jump right into the broadcast booth and you are currently still working at, at 810 whb and i know that there were other stops along the line how comfortable was it to make that change it was interesting. I got in the I got involved in the sports radio business actually the last few years of my playing career. Kansas City was the largest market in the United States without a full-time sports radio station. And I was uh getting ready for spring training one year. A friend of mine called and said, Hey, I got something I want to talk to you about. And he presents this opportunity to invest in a sports radio deal. And I'm like, well, I've never done anything other than like stocks or mutual funds. So kind of outside my box. And we played golf that day and talked more about it. And Eventually, um, I thought, you know, I'm going to call a friend of mine who's in radio. And, and I called him and he said, hey, I think it's a good opportunity. So I said, OK, I'll give it a shot. So I invested in the sports radio station in Kansas City. That was in 1997, I believe. 
and we're still around today and uh, most powerful sports station in in the United States where we cover about five states, 45,000 square miles. So it's a, it's a big sports radio station. So I did that and I got involved and after I finished playing baseball, I would uh, I wasn't on I didn't have my show uh, at the time, but I, I basically would be a guest, especially during baseball season, mm-hmm. and talk baseball with our show hosts. I got a phone call from the Kansas City Royals. I'd retired. I'd been out of baseball for eight or nine years at the time. Uh, I get a phone call from the Kansas City Royals, their their director of uh, uh, of, of media and media relations. Anyway, Swanee calls me and asks me if I would be interested in being part of the television broadcast team. And I'm like, gosh, I really haven't thought much about it, but uh, I'm not doing anything baseball related because my two boys, I'd coached them for uh, nine years in amateur baseball and they were all in high school. So I wasn't coaching anymore. So I said, sure, I'll give it a chance. And this is in the winter, this is in the off season. And I don't hear a word. I think it was sometime in mid-May of uh, whatever year it was, 2008 or nine, whatever year it was, uh, I get a phone call from the producer from the Royals television broadcast team. And they say, hey, I heard you may have some interest in doing some television work for us. And I said, yeah, I, I talked to Swanee back in the wintertime about it, but yeah, that's the last I heard about it. He said, if you still have an interest, we'd like to have you be part of the team. I'm like, okay, sure. I, I said, when do you want me to start? He goes, how about today at 3.30? So <laughs> it literally happened like immediately. Uh, he said, can you be at the ballpark today, coat and tie at 3.30, and we'll throw you right into the fire. So sure enough, that's how it happened. And that's uh, 13 or 14 years ago. And here I am still today yeah. doing Royals television. That's great. See, that's the yin and the yang of the universe, because he started in broadcasting the same year they called me in after I got off the air, told me I was too expensive and needed to go make my own way in the world. <laughs> so. You still are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know something? It's a great thing to be thrown right into the fire. I was going to say, and I know you did great on television being thrown into the fire, but Jeff, we're about to throw you into the fire again. Okay. Yeah. We have a six pack of questions to throw at you. We're going to fire them off. Boom, boom, boom. We expect you to give us the very first thought that comes to mind. Don't think about it. Don't hem and haw or you'll hear. And we'll ask you to speed it along. You up for it? I'll give it a shot. Let's yeah, do basically it. a verbal Warshack test is coming up with the six pack. <laughs> Jeff Montgomery when we come right back. We are the approach shot. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-500-2021. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-500-2021. 800-500-2021. That's 800-500-2021. We are the Pro Shot. I am John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels, and we have a six pack for Jeff Montgomery today. And Jeff, again, these are these are going to come at you from all angles. So just give us your first thought. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Question one: 
If you could have a beer and talk sports with anyone, living or dead, who would it be? Babe Ruth. Really? Really interesting. What What about the Babe as you uh, made that the first thing that you thought of? Well, the, my first major league manager was Pete Rose, and he was my all-time favorite player growing up. Mm-hmm. And I remember Pete Rose saying, if Babe Ruth had played soccer, soccer would be the American pastime. So that's <laughs> That is fantastic. All right, question two. You just answered your most memorable golf shot or one of your most memorable golf shots. Now let's go the other way. What's the most embarrassing golf shot you've ever hit? So I was named to the All-Star team in 1992 and one of the local sports uh one of the local television stations in Kansas City asked me to 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 record a shot and I was a member of a club called Shadow Glen. You know, we're going to do it live, no no repeats, no you know. So I I hit a nice tee shot. There's water in front of the green and I hit my second shot into the green and or in, into the water in front of the green. So it was televised and they showed it and I was very embarrassed by that shot. <laughs> And if people really loved you, they'd show it from three or four angles in slow motion, <laughs> watching it just go plong. Right At least a mulligan, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, yeah. Do we do mulligans on these things? <laughs> no, we just wanted to show. You know, the great thing about that is it makes you more human. More people can relate to it. Mm. Or at least that's what you tell yourself. Yes. All exactly. right. Question three. You have four kids, Ashley, Connor, Spencer, and Catherine, and obviously they are the loves of your life. Would you want any of them to go into baseball as a profession? No. All of my children were very different with regards to their abilities athletically, scholastically, and uh, all very, very different. Uh, My two boys played baseball, and they were solid baseball players. My oldest son, Connor, had a chance to play college baseball, declined that opportunity, went on uh, to be a computer science major at St. Louis University. He went to work for a company called Pinterest, one of their early employees. <laughs> wow, uh, sure. Did really well, had, uh, you know, t- you know, stock options in a bit, and he was able to retire at age 30. So uh, <laughs> he, he would have never been able to do that in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> no, very true. <laughs> and what we tell our kids all the time is, one of you, for God's sake, make enough money to take care of us in our old age. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about that. All right. This is the one I've been waiting for. I always give one that that, are, that hurt you. <laughs> Question four. You were drafted by Cincinnati and played most of your career in Kansas City. So Cincinnati chili or Kansas City barbecue? Oh, Kansas City barbecue for sure. Wow, really? <laughs> Sorry, people in Cincinnati. That was I like for both. sure. I like both a lot, but Kansas City barbecue, it's I mean, it's it's just it's impossible to beat it. That is yeah. for those of us yeah. who don't live in Kansas City, that is what we've heard. Yes. Even All right. Skyline Chili Three Ways, man. They can't compete. I love that too. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's why I figured it might be a little tougher, but man, you came right out with the Kansas City barbecue. All right. Question five. You can change the outcome of any one game in which you pitched. Which would it be? Well, the first one that comes to mind, I'm in Chicago today. We're broadcasting uh tonight's game, uh, Royals versus the White Sox. I give up a three-run walk-off home run to Frank Thomas here. I'd like to have that pitch back if I could get it. <laughs> I bet you would. <laughs> I bet you would. But you're probably not the only one who gave up a, a three-run homer <laughs> to lose a game to Frank Thomas. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, and we'll get to this in a minute, um, we'll talk about this. I, I, I want to ask the sixth question, and I have something that just happened two days ago that I want to ask you about. Question six, since we are the approach shot, 
Jeff Montgomery, in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by? Enjoy life and never take anything for granted. You know what, John? I, we keep calling it the hot seat, but people like Jeff Montgomery make it seem like it's basically a cool chair. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and you know, th they get done with it and they go, okay, so when's this pressure you talked about going to come? Well, you know? you know, I mean, <laughs> trying to decide between Cincinnati chili and Kansas City barbecue is supposed to be harder than that. <laughs> <laughs> not if you've ever had both. No, it's not. There you go. <laughs> hey, Monty, two days ago, I believe it was, the Royals played the White Sox in a game that mattered to no one except Royals fans and White Sox fans because both are long out of the playoff picture. And the Royals were leading nine to nothing in the third inning. And then the White Sox came back and scored nine runs to tie in the sixth inning. And the Royals went on to win the game 12 to nine, which had to be incredibly disheartening for the White Sox, considering they came all the way back. Were you broadcasting that game? Yes. If you're sitting in the booth and you're up nine to nothing in the third inning and you're doing this, and I'm sure one of the guys in, in the booth are going out to get hot dogs and, and soda and stuffing, this game is over. And you come back two innings later, three innings later, and your team has given up nine runs to tie the game. How do you come back from that and win the game? Well, it was pretty amazing because our starting pitcher, his name is Jordan Lyles, he had a perfect game through four innings. He gave up a home run in the fifth to make it nine to one. You're still thinking, you know, pretty comfortable lead, five innings, you know, four to go here. And then the sixth inning, the White Sox scored eight runs. First seven batters, I believe, reached base. And uh, it was pretty hairy. Now, the Royals had lost 101 games at that time. And you're thinking, if they gave up that lead, they're probably going to lose the game. Yeah, and, and and I talked to my partner about this, and I said, "Hey, fortunately, we won this game. It was actually eleven to ten outcome. We won the game, but going back earlier in the season, this young team, this rebuilding team that the Royals have, they for sure would not have found a way to to win that baseball game. They would have lost that game. But it's just part of the process of learning how to win. Uh, and I've said so many times: sometimes you play good enough to win, sometimes you play good enough to lose. And we played good enough to lose a lot of games this year, but now finally." Team starting to play good enough to win some games. Well, that I thought that was a real gut check. I thought that showed a lot about what this team can be. And with guys like MJ Melendez and obviously Salvador and, and Bobby Witt Jr. And I think Brady Singer and Vinny and some of the other guys are going to come around. And, and this is going to be a pretty good team next year. Yeah, the record is not indicative of the talent there, but there's still some significant holes that you have to plug up. Yeah. Uh, you have to have a good bullpen if you're going to win a baseball. One of my sayings uh, comes out quite frequently is a great bullpen will not guarantee you a winner, but a bad bullpen will guarantee you that you're a loser. Mm -hmm. And we have a, a bullpen that's not very solid. We've traded away a couple of really good pieces for a bullpen. Players who are going to be free agents to try to get some younger talent. But uh, I think you have to plug up some holes in the pitching staff if you're going to have a chance. How important is the manager to make a cohesive unit out of a bunch of great baseball players? I think a manager is very important. He probably doesn't just really decide the outcome of many games based on you know, the buttons that he pushes. But I think I don't care if you're managing a major league baseball team or if you're managing Walmart store down the street. I mean, your job is to get That's the true. most out of your of the people who work under you. And, and really good managers find a way to do that. I'll use Terry Francona as an example. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a manager that's won everywhere he goes. He finds a way to win. And sometimes not with the highest payroll or what people would perceive as the greatest talent, 
but he finds a way to get the most and, and more out of his talent than other managers do. And I think that's very important to have a manager that recognizes the group of players he has and then finds a way to get the most out of that group of players. So real quick, if you had to pick right now, put you on the spot, if you had to pick uh, the two teams that go into the World Series, who are you looking at? I'd say Dodgers and Astros would be a pretty safe pick. I'd like the way both those teams and Astros are starting to come on a little bit. And, uh, you know, Dodgers, the way they play, you just never know. They're going to find a way to get, uh, you know, to get the most out of their guys. And they've, they've won recently. Both teams have won recently. I think that means a lot when you go to postseason, uh, having those horses that uh, have been to the race before. I think you have one of the two. I think the Braves are going to come out of the National League. And the Astros, if they can keep on this role, I agree with you. I think it was really interesting watching Texas just sort of fall into the a ditch here for the last week and a half. And I think they're starting to come out of it. And if they get hot, watch out for the Rangers too. Yeah, I agree. And, and the Braves are, they're, you know, their team, if they can stay healthy with that offense they have, they can cover up a lot of weaknesses they may have, uh, you know, if they, if they have some shortcomings, if a pitcher goes down or they lose somebody. Monty, it's been great having you here. Jeff Montgomery, um, I got to tell you that, that um, as I said before, hated your guts for 13 years as a Minnesota Twins fan, but loved your work. And you can always tell if somebody is is a fan that when they hate your guts, but would love nothing more than for you to be on my team. So (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that comment. I really do. Like I said, too, I'm from Boston, so I didn't even know they played baseball on the western side of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know something, John, I I hate to tell you this, but your team is probably going to get buried today as officially, unofficially out of the playoffs. And my team is going to win the Central. So, you know. Yeah. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Montgomery, thanks again for joining us here on The Approach Shot. Well, guys, really appreciate the chance to share some stories, and uh, thanks for having me. Let's play golf sometime, man. Absolutely. Hang out. We'll be right back. Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. Call the Medicare benefits line now. It's easy. Call 800-683-3822. 800-683-3822. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-683-3822. 800-683-3822. And we are still the approach shot. I am still John Ashton. I am still Neil Michaels, and he was Jeff Montgomery. It was fun calling him Monty. That's his nickname. I wasn't going to ask because that's kind of what he goes by. Mm -hmm. Felt weird, though, because I felt like I was talking to Monty Hall. It was like, hey, Jeff, let's make a deal. Why is it everybody that has the last name of Montgomery is Monty? I mean, the, the British general from World War II was Monty. True. The right. golfer, Colin Montgomery, is Monty. You know why? Because the other option was gum. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I played in a, played a golf scramble a couple of weeks ago here in town. Golf Fried, the, the golf grip company, was one of the sponsors. Okay. And they had a tent with a couple of their sales reps 
sitting in this nice, comfortable, shaded tent. And I walked up with my club and the guy looked and he said, hey, you got a golf cart grip on that? And I said, oh, yeah, I do. He said, let me see it. So I gave him the, the club and he looked at it a little bit and he told me what model it was and everything. And he said, and lucky for you, there's a coupon in your goodie bag for a free set of new grips because, buddy, you need them. <laughs> wow. Ouch. When was the last time you got your groups done? Well, that's the same question he asked me. Okay. <laughs> to which I answered. And he did. Oh, you're supposed to change those? <laughs> so did you look in your bag and was it there? And <laughs> It was there. I went home that night. I went to their website, followed the instructions on the coupon, picked out the grips I wanted, ordered them, got a set of 13. They came to my house two days later. I opened up the box and there's an invoice in there that said that what I had bought costs $167. Balance due, zero. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even have to pay for shipping, man, because I thought I would because it said any order over $100 was free shipping. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, my order was over 100 but no, it wasn't really. It was zero. So right. I figured they at least make some money on the shipping. No, that was free too. Wow. So shout out to Golf Pride. No kidding. Hey, Golf Pride. Neil Michaels could use some money <laughs> too. Do I have to go find a tournament or can I just can we just use this little bit that we're talking about to to take care of things? Good for yeah. you, so, John. That's so for awesome. any other golfers like me, yes, you are supposed to change those things. <laughs> That's right. More than once every 20 years, whether they need yes. it or not. Well, I, I will tell you on my old set. I had left the clubs in the trunk of my car and we had one of those spells where it was a hundred degrees. And so I gripped the club and it was like gripping tar. So at that point, yeah. you probably should change your grips. I yeah. didn't. I changed my clubs. <laughs> well, I tell people that these grips look like Santa Claus had ordered them because they were green and red, kind of obnoxious, but they were to the point where on my brand new white golf gloves, which I also had a brand new golf club in the, in the bag. Nice. They, a bionic golf club. I want to go play where you play. <laughs> Don't care I, how I play. The free stuff is good. The the color would come off on, onto the glove. Huh? But now let me impart some, some meaningful golf lesson here. Okay. Okay. The reason why you want to change your, your grips on a regular basis is because they get slippery. Okay. They, they lose their tackiness. And when they get slippery, you have a tendency to hold on tighter so that ah. the club doesn't move in your hand. Mm -hmm. When you hold tighter, that inhibits the movement of your wrists, which greatly impedes your ability to hit a golf ball correctly. Wow. That's great advice and sounds an awful lot like it came from those weekend golf guys, which is your other podcast. It does indeed. And you can get more like that every week from those weekend golf guys at thoseweekendgolfguys.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 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 you know, we've got a podcast to promote here. Speaking of, <laughs> no, seriously, if you haven't heard those weekend golf guys, if you ever wanted a free golf lesson from a guy who is one of the top 100 golf pros in the country, yes, then indeed. listen to those weekend golf guys every week and you'll get a free golf lesson every Let's single see. week. Starting today. Uh-huh. Two of the top 100 golf teachers together on the same show talking Good. about yes. various and sundry. See, and, and people ask us all the time, what's the difference between the shows? One is teaching you how to be a better golfer. And mm -hmm. one is listening to stories from celebrities about their golf game. Right. See, 
That's what we do here. Proving that even if you're not a celebrity, you can still be a better golfer than they are. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Jeff Montgomery was a great guest today. Last mm-hmm. week, we had Leroy Irvin from the Los Angeles Rams on. The week right. before that, we had Randy Cross from the San Francisco 49ers on. Who is going to be our guest next week? There's only one way to find out. Tune Listen. in. Listen. <laughs> so is Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, App, Apple. Apple, iTunes. Yeah. Google. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was on vacation yesterday. I was talking to somebody and she said she gets her um, podcast go- just going to, to Google Podcasts. And I mm-hmm. told her about the show and she's a 24-year-old uh, from Idaho. I was on vacation. We were in Idaho. And I told her about the show and she's not a really a golf person, but she said it sounded so interesting because it m- makes the celebrities sound like real human beings. And I was like, do you want a job in our PR department? Because you got it <laughs> just like that. <laughs> We have a PR department. We do if she hire if we hire her. Yeah. <laughs> you learn All right. something new every day. All right, man. Great to talk with you again this week, my friend. Again, next week, um, a, another wonderful celebrity who's going to have some terrific golf stories. We would ask you if you do go back through Spotify, through iTunes, through anywhere you get your, your podcast to listen to some of our previous shows. We've had some wonderful guests and we've been very blessed to have some terrific celebrities and great guests along the way. And I'm not going to list them all because we do that every week. Just go find them. And um, all of the shows are funny. All of the shows are interesting and uh, some are better than others. And the ones that may be your favorites may not be John's favorites and vice versa. So just go take a listen. We appreciate that. Check us out again next week. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back here. See you next week. You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net.